as we venture into the murky waters of everything you've been told never to bring up at holiday dinner. You'll need a guide, someone you can trust, a battle-tested, common-sense leader who knows that an extra pair of dry socks just might save your life. That wise old sage has arrived, and he is shouting the Schmidt Show battle cry. Schmidt heads unite! Good morning. Good afternoon. Time appropriate greetings depending on where, when, and or how you are listening to the Schmidt Show this morning. Thanks for joining me. I am your host, Brad Schmidt. It is an interesting day today because it's been an interesting week. we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about William Barr, and uh, the he's the Attorney General, of course, and at the center of a lot of controversy uh, as it relates to a lot of various issues with the Mueller report, and he's been accused of lying to Congress, perjuring himself. We'll talk a little bit about why that's absurd and why that is silly and that he didn't actually perjure himself. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the timeline, how we got here, because um, I think a lot of this stuff gets lost in the mix. We oftentimes forget that there is more to the story, as they say, as it relates to all of these various issues. And we need to kind of keep in mind that there, that the, 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 um, the William Barr story um, as it relates to the Mueller investigation, as it relates to the Russian probe, uh, the probe in Russian meddling in election, which, of course, as we've mentioned before, the Mueller report says no collusion by President Trump or anyone in his campaign or any American, for that matter. Um, there was some talk about the possibility of obstruction of justice, but the truth is there just wasn't enough evidence um, to get us to a point where any rational prosecuting attorney would have tried to um, would have tried to press the issue of obstruction. The the truth is there was some rudeness, there was some brashness, there was Trump being Trump, uh, a lot of that. Um, but the thankfully, but thankfully, the people that he put in place, his cabinet members and stuff, when he did step over the line, they felt empowered, I guess you could say, to to tell him, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to engage in that behavior. That's not acceptable. So um, I think that's an important point that a lot of people have missed. I think that's an important point that a lot of people have not actually addressed, especially the media has not addressed. The the idea that, that Donald Trump could have very well said, um, let's do this, let's do that, let's obstruct justice in one way or another— and he didn't because the people he put in place, the, the cabinet members, the, the, uh, the staffers and things like that felt empowered by him to say, no, we're not going to do that. And, and I think that's a big deal because that speaks to Donald Trump's openness to listening to his advisors, to listening to the people around him. Now, a lot of people would ignore that, and a lot of people would say, well, but he's still done these terrible things. Yes, he has. There's no question about that. We've, we've talked about this a lot, that Donald Trump is not perfect. And I've said, and I don't know that I can say this enough, I talk about this on my terrestrial radio show all the time, which again, as I always say, if you want to listen to the terrestrial show, you can go over to our website, 
Uh, my the company that I work for is uh, Leighton Broadcasting, and their website is KNOXRadio.com for our local station. Um, and you can just click on the live button. I'm on from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. every day, Monday through Friday. Um, so if you want to join the Terrestrial Ro- Show, we talk a little bit more local stuff to my local area, but we also talk about some of this stuff too. But one of the things I've talked about specifically and, and regularly on my Terrestrial Radio Show is that Donald Trump, has kind of two parts to him. There's this guy that does all this stupid brash stuff and says all the dumb things on Twitter's, but Twitter, but there's also a lot of the this the other side of Donald Trump or the other portion of Donald Trump is that he's actually getting some things done. He's moving some things forward um and he's he's accomplishing a lot of the campaign promises that he that he set out to accomplish. And so both of those things can be true, right? You can be a dirtbag of a human being and still accomplish things. You can be a jerk and still be uh, effective in your job. One of the examples that I've used of Donald Trump's effectiveness, and you don't have to, again, you don't have to like Donald Trump. You don't have to agree with the guy. But one of the things you can't deny is that he's actually pretty good at getting things done. The the uh, The central, the ice skating rink, at Central Park. That look up that story, Donald Trump and the Central Park ice skating rink. It's a it's a it's a I'm not going to go into it cuz it'll take me too long to to explain, but essentially it was weeks and months and years behind schedule and millions of dollars over budget and Donald Trump told the city of New York, "Hey, let me come in. I'll get this done. I'll have it up and running before Christmas and I'll do it under budget." And he did. He did exactly that. He knew, you know, which palms need to be greased and which which um uh People needed to be uh, massaged and and worked into the right place to get the things done, and he got it done. He accomplished exactly what he promised he would do. Everybody laughed and said, there's no way he'll get this done. There's no way he's going to accomplish this, but he did it. So now that doesn't make Donald Trump some hero. That doesn't make him all of a sudden some moral angel or doesn't set him up to be some sort of ethical standard that we should all uh, 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 aspire to. But the fact is, he got it done. He he got the ice skating rink thing taken care of. So just go look that story up. I think you'll quite enjoy it. It's an interesting, interesting story about his ability to get things on track and moving in the right direction. That was, I think, back in the late 80s, early 90s when he did that. So anyway, there's there's kind of these two sides to Donald Trump. There's the jerk of a guy the human being who who we would not want to hang out with, wouldn't want our kids to be friends with, wouldn't want our daughters to marry, all of that sort of thing. But there's also this Donald Trump that has a, a skill or an ability to at least get things done. So um, that aside, we we come back to the whole William Barr thing. There's a, there's a timeline to this William Barr story. That that gets us to where we are. So, and I've got a link to the article that I'm referencing here in the show notes. If you once the once the the podcast goes live, you'll see the you'll see the link in the in the show notes. If you're listening on the podcast, it's already live. The link is in the show notes. But if you're watching live on theschmidtshow.com or on Facebook or YouTube or whatever, um, the once the once the 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 podcast goes live, which you can scri- subscribe to at podcast.theschmidtshow.com, by the way, um, it goes live. Uh, you'll see these notes. The, the the article that I'm referencing gives a bit of a timeline on who uh, William Barr is and how he got to where he is as it relates specifically to um, to the the 
the investigation in the Mueller report. Now, of course, there's obviously a lot more to Mueller's career, uh, to William Barr's career than where we're starting. Well, we're going to start back in June of 2018. So this is just a few months before he would be tapped to be the next attorney general. He wrote a memo to the Justice Department and to the White House describing Mueller's obstruction inquiry as being based on a fatally misconceived theory. That's the quote, fatally misconceived. So that's an interesting, so he already had this kind of view in mind, or he had already been paying attention to this obstruction investigation. Did Donald Trump obstruct justice in his dealings? And and Barr's view on it already was that it was, it was falling apart before it even started. So uh, in December, about, a, about six months later, Donald Trump nominates William Barr as the next attorney general, of course, following Jeff Sessions um, and whom Donald Trump was not happy with because he had uh, recused himself in the in the Russian probe. In January, about a month later, Barr testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee as part of his uh, confirmation process, took all kinds of questions about his intentions related to the special probe, um, described his friendship with Mueller. Um, he also committed to releasing as much information about that investigation as possible, when it was possible, and so on. In February, on actually on Valentine's Day, Barr was confirmed by a largely party-line vote. Uh, it was 54-45 in the Senate. Um, three Democrats uh, broke ranks to support him. Um, I don't remember who they are and honestly don't care enough to, to look it up and, 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 and get that information because it doesn't really matter. It's, it's irrelevant. Um, March 22nd, about a month after that, Mueller ended his 22-month-long investigation, 22 investigation and files his confidential report to William Barr with, with the attorney general. That's the process. The, re, the it, it's interesting too, and and I think actually Mueller talked about this, and I may have even mentioned it in a previous episode. Uh, Mueller talked about this in one of his um, press conferences that the, or I'm sorry, Barr talked about this in one of his press conferences that this is not really Mueller's report. Mueller was the guy who penned it. Mueller was the guy who wrote it, put it together, did all the investigation. But the report belongs to William Barr, the Attorney General's office. Because the whole purpose from the beginning of the Mueller report was that it was to be filed with the attorney general. The Mueller special investigation team does the job of investigating. They make the report and they give it to attorney general. It doesn't matter who the attorney general is, whether it's Sessions, whether it's Barr, whether it was, it was Rosenstein as the acting attorney general. It doesn't matter. Whoever the attorney general is, it's their report. They are then required by the law, to essentially determine what to do with it. And William Barr determined, as we all know, that there was really no further action to be taken. He made a summary of it. He didn't even have to do that. He didn't even have to have any sort of discussion about that. And this is where I talked about in the, in the opening, that the idea that, that the Trump administration or the Mueller uh, team or William Barr's team didn't or weren't um, offering enough transparency is absurd. William Barr did not have to release anything. That is a confidential report given to the attorney general by the special investigation team of Robert Mueller. So there, there is no requirement in law anywhere 
on the books that says that that report had to be released to the general public. We as the general public have no legal right, as you will, to that report. Now, I personally, I think it's great. I think it's a good idea that we release as much of it as possible, let people see as much of it as possible, anything that, of course, is detrimental to national security and all of those kind of you know common caveats, whatever. But there, there is no legal right for anyone to see that report other than the people who worked on the report and the attorney general's office and whoever he determines should be able to see that report. So William Barr puts together this summary and says, look, this is what the report says. Basically says, no collusion by anyone in the Trump administration or any American for that matter, and no no obstruction of justice. Now, it does say that, yeah, he kind of did some things that were kind of sketchy, but there was not enough evidence to to actually make a charge of obstruction of justice because... It just wasn't there. There were a few times that, you know, you could have said he tried, but his staff or his people interrupted and said, no, nope, that's not happening. We're not doing that. And so essentially, um, that was it. That was the end of the report. Now, Donald Trump, here's the other thing that where this, the, the, the uh, accusation of a lack of transparency on Mueller, the lack of transparency on Barr on even the White House is absurd because Donald Trump, even if uh, Attorney General Barr had decided that he was going to release the entire report or any of the report for that matter, Donald Trump could have at any time offered or could have any time exercised his, his right to executive privilege and prevented any of it from coming out. And there was nothing anybody could do about it. There's nothing Congress can do about it. There was nothing the, the Supreme Court could do about it. There's nothing anybody else in the White House, Mueller, it couldn't have been Barr, anybody. There was no one that could have stopped. If Donald Trump had so chosen to exercise executive privilege, he could have prevented any information from that report being released at all. There, there was nothing stopping him from doing that. But he chose not to do that. He chose not to exercise executive privilege and said, fine, let it come out. Let, let it come out. Let, we'll, we'll see what's in it. Because I know that there won't be any collusion in there. I know that there won't be any obstruction of justice in there. So that that's a big deal that you haven't heard, at least I haven't heard. I've not heard any other news outlet, whether it's MSNBC or CNN or Fox or any of them. I've not heard any of them mention that there is... An incredible, actually, an incredible amount of transparency among Mueller and and Barr and the Trump administration, the White House, everybody. They, there were several times that this could have been prevented from coming out, and nobody prevented it. So the the issue of transparency is is an important one. The only other person I've heard talk about this is Ben Shapiro. Um, he he mentioned that um, this, he, and he actually went through the statute in the in the. Uh, in the U.S. code and and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, the the idea that that um, there is some sort of lack of transparency is is really quite absurd. So, um, anyway, back to the timeline. The uh, the timeline. Uh, see where were we at? Um, the twenty two month long investigation, March twenty fourth of this year, Barr released a four page letter outlining the principal conclusions of the Mueller report. Um, essentially revealing or or exposing the fact that um, Mueller did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with Russia. Um, 
He didn't reach a conclusion on whether or not Trump obstructed justice, and we've talked about that. Um, Rod Rosenstein, the the, uh, deputy attorney general, um, also reviewed the evidence, determined it to be insufficient uh, to accuse Trump of an obstruction of justice offense as well. Uh, March 25th, the next day, Mueller sends a letter to Barr asking the attorney general to release uh, introductions and executive summaries from his report um, with specified redactions to Congress and the public. The letter has not been publicly released. Um, the 27th of March, a couple days later, Mueller sends another letter to Barr writing that his four-page memo from three days earlier did not fully the, fully capture the context, nature, and substance of his investigation or its findings, which spurred, quote, unquote, public confusion about critical aspects of the results. Um, Mueller again asks Barr to release more information. Uh, March 28th, Barr calls Mueller to discuss his letter. The attorney general would later recall to senators, I said, Bob, what's with the letter? Why don't you just pick up the phone and call me if there's an issue? Um April 3rd, the New York Times published a bombshell story, which we'll have to maybe get to in, in, in a separate episode of The Schmidt Show here, that some of the investigators on Mueller's team felt Barr did not adequately portray the details of the report, um, which is the reason I say we might have to get into another episode is because there's so much in that discussion. Every single story is always a bombshell. Every single thing everywhere is a bombshell that, that whatever. Um, let's see, April 9th, about a week after that, Barr indicates a House appropriations hearing that he wasn't specifically aware of, concerns among um, members of Mueller's team about his four-page memo as detailed in news reports. Um, on the 18th of April, Barr delivers a press conference and releases the 448-page report with about 10% rest- uh, redacted to restrict grand jury material. Um, on the 19th of April, White House lawyer Emmett Flood issued his extended criticism criticism of Mueller's report. Um, also on the 19th of April, the House Judiciary Chairman Gerald, uh, Gerald Nadler issues a subpoena for Mueller's full unredacted report uh, and underlying evidence. On the 1st of May, Barr testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee. On the 2nd of May, Barr doesn't show up for a, uh, a hearing before the House Judiciary Committee committee objecting to Democrats plan to allow committee councils to question him. And that's pretty much where we're at. Um, Barr has said no more testimony. I've said what I need to say. I'm not going to bother with it Um, because I've said everything that needs to be said. The, the report has proven that there is no obstruction. The report has proven that there is no uh, or was no obstruction of justice and time to move on. Let's be done with this. Um, and I think that's where a lot of folks are. Um, Marlene, Marlene says "boo" and "okay." I'm not sure um, what you're what you're referring to, uh, Marlene. But, um, anyways, uh, this this idea that the the Mueller investigation, the bar summary, the testimony by William Barr shows anything other than a waste of money, a waste of time, and a waste of resources is essentially um, probably one of the, the, the most laughable things to come out of Washington in a long time. 
Now, I'm speaking this from the position of not being a huge fan of Donald Trump. I'm a conservative. There's there's no question about that. I, I certainly lean um, farther to the right. I've got a friend um, that I tell regularly. Well, actually, I tell a lot of people this regularly. There's only about 330 million people to the left of me. Uh, here in the United States. So I'm about as far right as they get. There, there's there's no question about that. Um, but I at least try to be open and honest and, and view things from a from a rational standpoint. And one of the things that, that I have been frustrated with in the past is Donald Trump's brashness, his harshness, his, his unwillingness to um, just sometimes take a step back and keep his mouth shut. Um, if you look at Donald Trump's history, if you look at his past, it's it's fairly obvious that Donald Trump has not lived a life of of strict conservatism throughout his career. He has supported multiple Democrat candidates in the past for various elections. Um, he's he has taken various stances on whether it's the Second Amendment or abortion or whatever else. Um, that have been um, outside of the mainstream conservative realm. So there has been a lot of history. There's been a lot of of Donald Trump's goings on that have turned me off to Donald Trump, and and so I'm I'm saying a lot of this from the position I was a never Trumper. I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I was a Ted Cruz supporter, um, and. I did not vote for Donald Trump when it came election time. I actually voted for I can't even remember the guy's name. He was in the uh, the Constitution Party. So I I was not a a Donald Trump sycophant. I'm not a Donald Trump apologist. I've called Donald Trump out several times for the 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 things that he's in my view gotten wrong. But at the same time, if we're going to be honest, if we're going to be intellectually fair about a lot of these various issues, we have to acknowledge that that there just isn't enough evidence of any kind to suggest that Donald Trump did anything wrong in the in the Russian collusion discussion. It, there's no evidence to suggest that he tried to or that he obstructed justice or was guilty of an, of an obstruction of justice. Uh, offense. I will say this, and I will acknowledge that that some of the behaviors that Donald Trump engaged in suggested that he would have, if he could have, kind of thing. If he would have gotten away with it, if if people had not stood up to him and said, "Hey, we're not doing that," he probably would have been guilty of an obstruction of justice offense, which, as I said earlier, is a very very important distinction to make because that says. That there were people in Donald Trump's circle that felt okay or felt safe enough to stand up to him and say, no, we're not doing that because he allows for, apparently, people telling him and giving him advice. Like, that, that is one of the things that actually kind of surprised me in this. Because I was early on, I was one of these guys that Donald Trump cared about Donald Trump, and that was it. And there was there was nothing else that anyone was going to say that was going to to change his mind or change his view. He was going to do what Donald Trump wanted to do, and you know, world be damned, 
I don't care. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to do it my way. But the fact that there were people in this report that at various points throughout this investigation said it's not happening. That's a big deal. And, and keep that in mind. Keep that in mind that the, that the Donald Trump White House apparently is set up so that if you disagree with him, it is okay to speak that disagreement. That is actually a sign of a very, very good leader. If you are afraid, I mean, think of, think of the leaders that you have in your life. Think of your boss. Think of your, your, um, your supervisors, your, you know, both immediate and, and extended supervisors. Think of the people who in your life that, that should be or could be taking advice from you that could be or should be hearing what you've got to say on various decisions, whether it's in sales or management or how to move forward with a certain project or whatever. I mean, just think about that for a second. Do you have any leaders that you would feel if you gave them advice that either A, wouldn't listen to you, or B, would retaliate against you if you showed some sort of disagreement? Now, when you take a guy like Donald Trump, who is as big of a personality as he is, who is is this kind of larger-than-life kind of guy, he's the you're fired, you know, apprentice, I'm Donald Trump, and if you cross me, I will crush you kind of personality, right? Like, that's the way he's portrayed in the media. He's portrayed as a bully. He's portrayed as a, a person who who doesn't take advice, who doesn't listen to his advisors, doesn't listen to his counselors, tells the generals they don't know what they're talking about and, and overrides generals in military decisions and all these things. Like he's, he's made out to be this guy who will not, under any circumstances, take advice or hear disagreement. But in reality, we now have documented evidence from an impartial third party in the Robert Mueller investigation, and I would even suggest not only impartial, but actually biased against Donald Trump. Like, I would suggest Robert Mueller was biased against Donald Trump, wanted to find something against Donald Trump, wanted to show that there was a, a, a you know, some sort of effort to collude with Russian officials to influence the election. He wanted to find this obstruction of justice. And even though he was biased against Donald Trump, he couldn't find it. He couldn't get it done. And yet at the same time, he proved that Donald Trump is, is not quite the bully is not quite the, the, um, the, the overpowering overbearing jerk of a boss that he is portrayed to be. In fact, the opposite is true. We have now documented evidence that Donald Trump did listen and did have people in his cabinet, in his White House, in his employ that were allowed to say, no, we're not doing that. That's illegal. And Donald Trump agreed. Donald Trump said, okay, fine, then we're not going to do that. Because Donald Trump could have overridden any of them. He could have fired any of them. He could have fired Mueller. He could have fired Barr. He could have fired any of them at any time. 
And it would not have been obstruction of justice as the way the, the, the U.S. code is written, as long as he's doing it within the, the, the bounds of his duties as the president of the United States, he can fire anybody he wants. If he didn't like Robert Mueller's tie that day, he could have fired him. If he didn't like the new haircut that Robert Mueller got that week, he could have fired him. And, and there would have been no repercussions for him at all. So um, I think it's an important point to point out. Like I said, I'm not a big Trump fan, but I mean, that's, that's a big deal. It speaks to his, uh, and it actually pains me a little bit to say this out loud, it kind of speaks to his character. Because I didn't think that Donald Trump had any character. I didn't think that Donald Trump had, had an ounce of character. But the fact that he listened in, in these various circumstances, when he said, hey, let's do this or let's do that, they said, no, we can't do that. That's illegal. And he said, all right, well, then let's not do that. I think that, I, 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 it, it, like I say, as much as it pains me to say that out loud and admit to it, I think it speaks a little bit to, to Donald Trump's character. And, and that should be acknowledged, right? If there's, and I'm stealing this from, from Ben Shapiro and, and Matt Walsh and, and a few others, but uh, Mark Levin and, and, and some others that, you know, good Trump is good Trump. Bad Trump is bad Trump. Sometimes we get good Trump. When we do, let's praise him for it. Sometimes we get bad Trump. When, he's, when we do, let's, let's call him out on it. You know, the fact that he asked to do these things is kind of crappy. There's no question about that. But the fact that when he was confronted and said, no, we're not going to, that he didn't fight back, that he didn't push back and say, let's do it anyway. The fact that he said, all right, fine, well, then we're not going to do that. That, I think, speaks to, um, at least, if nothing else, to his willingness to listen to, to wise counsel. So anyway, the, the question then becomes, okay, so... Uh, what's next for the for the the Trump administration? What's next in the in the investigation? So during the hearing, um, William Barr laid out, I thought very clearly and calmly, um, some some really interesting information. Um, there's a link in the in the show notes if you want to go read it to a post in the Washington Times. It's kind of a clickbaity headline, um, and, and I don't like it when they when they write headlines like this because it it I think it it's funny. <laughs> in the so the the headline says this: Barr destroys Democrats with inconvenient facts. Um, then then in the in the actual article. Um, if you, if you read the comments or read, not the comments, but if you read the, 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 the entirety of the article, it talks about a, an overhyped, uh, now my computer's freaking out. Um, it talks about the overhyped nature of, of the, of the hearings and things like that. I'm trying to find the quote here. Um, another, oh, here we go. Another day, another overhyped bombshell story related to the Russia inquiry. Like clockwork, a selective leak from the Office of Special Counsel to the Washington Post on Tuesday night detailed a letter that Robert Mueller sent to Attorney General, blah, 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 right? So the headline is 
Barr destroys Democrats with inconvenient, inconvenient facts. The very first line of the article says, another day, another overhyped bombshell story related to the Russia increase. So you're accusing the, the media, quote unquote, the media that you're a part of, of overhyping another story. And that's your headline. I mean, come on. But anyway, it goes through. He, he the article lays out a list of various things where where Barr clearly and and calmly um, responded to Congress. Mueller was asked, um, or or sorry, Mueller, not Mueller. Uh, I keep getting these two mixed up. Barr was accused if of of lying to Congress. The Charlie Crist. A uh, representative from Florida, a Democrat, asked the question of Mr. Barr. He said, reports have emerged recently, General, that members of the special counsel's team are frustrated at some level with the limited information included in your March 24th letter, that it does not adequately or accurately necessarily portray the report's findings. Do you know what they're Referencing with that, that was the actual quote from Representative Christ. Barr, Attorney General Barr, responded by saying, no, I don't. I suspect they probably wanted more put out, but in my view, I was not interested in putting out summaries or trying to summarize. So the idea that that, that statement is somehow... Um, tantamount to perjury and and requires a felony perjury charge is is so absurd and ridiculous it's unbelievable Barr was never asked if Mueller provided negative feedback that wasn't the question it said that members of the special counsel team are frustrated at some level with limited information do you know what they're referencing with that he said no I don't I suspect that they probably wanted more put out, but in my view, I was not interested in putting out summaries or trying to summarize. That, that's not a lie. That's simply an opinion. He's saying, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess they wanted this, and I wasn't interested in that. That's, that's, not, that's certainly not perjury. That's, that's not even, I mean, that's not even really stating any sort of a fact. That's just, hey, this is what I think they th- saw. And I think they wanted to see this. And so this accusation by whether it's Pelosi or, or uh, Christ or, or any of the others that Mueller somehow perjured himself before Congress is absurd. And the article goes on to list a bunch of other things where he, he clarifies and points out. So there's, there's some information there. It's Again, it's in the show notes if you want to check it out. Um, another interesting bit of information to me um, is that William Barr has confirmed that there are multiple ongoing criminal investigations into some of the leaks that happened during the uh, the the Russia probe. Um, that's that's an interesting bit of information that that I'm hoping doesn't get shoveled under the rug or swept under the rug. I have a feeling it probably will. I have a feeling we'll probably never hear anything about these investigations. I have a, a, a sneaking suspicion that those, those stories 
are going to be quietly uh, released and very few news outlets will pick them up because I think a lot of folks are going to look badly. Um, and I think a lot of important folks might be in trouble. The only way these stories get any traction in my view is if any big names go to jail or, or are charged with um, releasing classified information or confidential information illegally. Um, but I'm guessing there's there's multiple level multiple levels of plausible deniability, and nobody of any significance um, will will see anything of that. Um, there was an article written. I wanted to mention this too and reference it, and again, it'll be linked in the show notes. Um, there was an article written by the American thinker Michael Young, um, or by Michael Young on the American Thinker, which is AmericanThinker.com, um, back in February when just shortly a few days after uh William Barr was was uh confirmed as the the um the attorney general and it said the title was the fate of american justice lies with william barr and it goes through and and kind of talks a little bit about william barr and the the various things that he should be considering and what he should be looking into um one of them of course the fisa court um, abuses and the spying of the Trump administration, which, and this may be an issue or a, a story for another episode in the future as well. Um, but the, uh, the Steele dossier and the FBI spying on the Trump administration, we now have a story, I think came out Friday, Thursday or Friday, maybe it was even Saturday. I don't remember exactly when, but there's a story that came out, um, where the New York Times essentially admitted that there is evidence and proof that the FBI was spying on the the Trump administration. Um, the the Obama's FBI was spying on the Trump administration. That's a big deal. That's that is that is bigger than Watergate kind of thing. That wasn't the Republican Party, you know, the RNC hiring a couple uh, lackeys to to study um, to study uh, a story about the FBI or to study or dig into or break into a hotel room. That was that was the the sitting president. Maybe we don't know for sure, but that was a sitting president. Um, directing his FBI to spy on the opposition party's presidential candidate. Like that's, that's way, way bigger than Watergate. So again, we'll watch for it. We'll see what comes of it, but I have a feeling that that's going to be another one of those nothing to see here, move along kind of stories. I hope, I hope it doesn't. Um, I hope that there is um, something to be, um found there and and I guess I, not that I hope there's something to be found. I hope that the story doesn't just go away. I hope somebody investigates it and and if if they find that it it was not true or if they find that the story that the New York Times reported on you know was sketchy or based on sketchy information, well then fine uh, i i don't I guess I don't care that that anything comes of the story. I just don't want the story to be ignored. I want the truth to come out. I don't necessarily want um, something detrimental 
to sitting officials. Because look, this is this is the thing, and this is something I've said before. I never wished bad or ill upon the Obamas, upon the Clintons, upon any Democrat. I don't hope for their failure. I I I genuinely mean this. I say this with with honest to God, one hundred percent truth. If if a if a sitting president is doing a good job, regardless of whether I like them or agree with their policies, um, I want them to succeed. And, and, and we should be willing to congratulate them for doing well. If, if, let's go back a few years. Let's go back to when, when Obama was president. My hope for President Obama was that he would go down in history as the greatest president this country's ever seen. Because if he goes down in history as the greatest country this president has ever seen, then that is good for me. Because it's good for the nation, it's good for the individual states, it's good for the individual um, uh, jurisdictions, the, the representative districts, the counties, the cities, whatever. Like, if Donald Trump does well, that's good for everybody. If the economy improves, if our security improves, if our foreign relations improve, that's good for everybody. Same with Obama, same with Clinton, same with Bush, same with Reagan. I mean, go back as far as you want. A, a successful president means a successful country, right? Because that's how we measure presidents. How well does the country do under said president? So I want, if the Congress is controlled, you know, a 80% majority by Democrats, regardless of how far right I am, I want them to do well. I want them to be remembered as the greatest legislative body that this country has ever seen. Because if they are re regarded as such, that is good for the nation, that is good for me, and I am prosperous. That is what we should all hope for. I, I, I don't hope, and this is one of the things I just can't quite understand about the modern Democrats rate lately. The, 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 the radical left of the Nancy Pelosi's, the Chuck Schumer's, the, the Kamala Harris's, the Cory Booker's, and, and more, like, like they, genuinely, they genuinely appear to be hoping for the demise of the president. That's like being on an airplane, and I think other people have used this, this illustration as well, but that's like being on an airplane and hoping the pilot fails because you don't like him, because you don't like the color of, of tie he wore, or you think he you know, needs a better haircut or whatever, and you're hoping the pilot crashes the plane so you can say, see, I told you he was a bad pilot, while you're sitting in the plane that's going to crash. It just doesn't make sense. And, and it, it feels like we're seeing that quite a bit from, from modern Democrat Party these days. They are actively hoping for the failure of the United States, for the failure of the president, for the failure of the Republicans, so that they can say, see, we told you he failed. We told you he was going to fail. You should elect us and put us in charge. That, it just, that, doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, Maybe a more accurate, maybe a more accurate uh, description or a more accurate um, uh, illustration would be a plane full of pilots hoping that the plane crashes so they can say, "See, I told you I would have done a better job piloting this plane." This doesn't make sense. Um, 
what else here? I got a couple of links I want to get to. Oh, um, story out of Politico. Um, of course, well, other people are reporting it too, but the one I've got linked in the in the show notes is from Politico. Donald Trump saying Mueller should not testify. He he was quoted as saying, uh, let's here it is. Bob Mueller should not testify. No redos for the Dems, the president wrote on Twitter. After excoriating Mueller's 22-month investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election in a previous post. Um, He also tweeted, after spending more than $35 million over a two-year period interviewing 500 people using 18 Trump-hating angry Democrats and 49 FBI agents, all culminating in a more than 400-page report showing no collusion, why would the Democrats in Congress now need Robert Mueller to testify? That's what he tweeted. Um, He also, there's second tweet. But, I mean, honestly, he's right. At this point, what else is there to say? What else is there to, for for Mueller to say? What what the Democrat Congress is hoping hoping will happen is that they are hoping that Mueller will will get on the stand, will say something, will they'll try and trick him or trip him up with with trick questions and unanswerable questions so that they'll be able to say, see, we told you that there was more to the story and that Mueller was just covering things up or Mueller this or Mueller that. And in, in the end, if it were me, if I were Mueller and I did testify, I would simply say, regardless of the question, I would I would ignore pretty much any question they would say and simply say, I'll refer you to my report in which I found that there was no collusion by Donald Trump, his administration, or any American, and there was not evidence to suggest that an obstruction of justice offense was justified. That's how I would, if I were Robert Mueller, I would, I'd, fine, I'll testify, but that's exactly what I would answer to every single question. I'll refer you to my report, which found that there was no collusion by Donald Trump, his administration, or any American, and... No evidence to suggest that an uh, an obstruction of justice offense was justified. That's that's it. That, that that is the only thing that Robert Mueller has to say to anyone at this point. So I think Donald Trump is absolutely right that that Mueller should not testify. He should he should simply thumb his nose at Congress, at the Senate, or whoever wants him to testify, and just say, "No, I don't think I will." And and here's here's what I will say. Fine, subpoena me, but just know every answer will be exactly what I just said. It will be, I will refer you to my report in which I've found that there was no collusion by Donald Trump, his administration, or any American, and that an obstruction of justice charge was not justified. That would be the end of it. Um, another, another, this is, we're kind of done with the, with the Mueller investigation story, the the William Barr story. Um, I want to just, this was, I just kind of found funny. I've linked it in the show notes. There's an article, Bill and Hillary Clinton's book tour, um, have, has been struggling with attendance, um, they're now selling seats for less than 10 bucks. Secondary ticket marketplace StubHub has tickets for oh, where to go has tickets for Saturday evening's show in Los Angeles available for a mere $6. So if you want to go see Donald Trump or sorry Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton 
um, talk about whatever they're going to talk about. Six bucks if you live in Los Angeles. If you want the fanciest, best ticket in the in the venue, um, third row, middle floor, or third row, middle floor section seat, forty seven dollars and fifty cents. Now there are some that are get a little bit more expensive. There's a there's a uh, a Saturday a Sunday night event at the Park MGM, um, which is a smaller venue, so ticket prices are a little higher. You can get balcony seats for twenty bucks. Um, the best seat in the house is actually four hundred and seventy five dollars, um, but those probably won't sell, especially when uh, Ticketmaster still has seats available for the the event in the same section, but a few rows ahead for uh, two hundred and twenty eight dollars. So. Um, the event isn't sold out and it's uh, been on the calendar since last year and had to even be rescheduled after the Clintons dropped out to go to former, uh, president George HW Bush's funeral. So, um, yeah, the, uh, the Clintons, I, I hope, I, I, I really truly hope that this is the beginning of the end of the, of the Clinton Bill and Hillary saga. Um, it's not that I wish them ill. It's not that I want to see their demise. I just want them to fade quietly into history um, and and stop talking to us. You know, just enjoy retirement. I don't know. Hillary's 69 years old. I don't know how Bill is, how old Bill is. Um, Bill, let me look him up here. Bill Clinton. Um, let's see what Wikipedia says about Bill Clinton as far as his age. Bill Clinton is 72 um, and Hillary is... Uh, how old is Hillary? Hillary is Googling up Hillary. Hillary is 71. Bill is 72. So um, honestly, just retire. Both of you have more money than you'll ever need. And just go away. Just if, if this is me and, and president George HW Bush and president George W. Bush, both are great examples of of just going away. They did their term, you know, George W or George H W Bush served as as VP under Reagan for 8 years and and 4 years as a president himself and George H W spent 8 years as pre- president and they just went off and lived their lives quietly and without making a fuss. But for some reason, the Clintons just cannot get out of the spotlight. And I, I just, I, I don't get it. I, I wish they would just go away. I hope the fact that nobody's showing up to see them at these events and that the tickets aren't selling for these events, I hope is a a, a note for them. I hope it is a um, uh, an encouragement to them to simply just fade quietly into the spotlight and just go away and leave us all alone. Let, let the next generation of leaders that apparently are older than you with Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders and, and others, but just let the next group of, of leaders in the Democrat party have their time in the spotlight and, and leave us as Americans alone in general. Um, one other uh, interesting article, or, or not article, but a, a link I've, I've shared in the show notes. There's a website called JoeBiden.info, um, which is a, a website set up to mock President Biden or, or former Vice President Biden 
and uh, presidential candidate Biden. Um, and it is performing better in Google searches than, than Joe Biden's official campaign website. Um, this does not look good for, for Joe Biden and his popularity. Um, you can actually buy t-shirts that say I'm with uncle Joe 2020 joebiden.info the the tagline on the on the website says uncle joe is back and ready to take a hands-on approach to america's problems joe biden has a good feel for the american people and knows exactly what they really want deep down he's happy to open up and reveal himself to voters and will give a pounding to anybody who gets in his way <laughs> there's a bunch of videos of him being creepy old uncle joe um, a bunch of photographs of him being creepy old uncle joe um, there's some of his more um, laughable uh, quotes um, that you will find. There's a there's a, a link to a bunch of his um, his various uh, previous voting stances. He's against gay marriage. He's for mass incarceration. He's against abortion rights. He's against school busing. He was in favor of the Iraq War. He's for the death penalty and harsh drug sentences. Um, some of his quotes include, I mean, you got the first mainstream African-American who is articulate and bright and clean and a nice looking guy. That was, uh, Joe Biden in 2007. Um, there's, uh, the, the audacity of grope, some clips from uh, John Stewart's show. So, um, yeah, go check it out. It's joebiden.info. It's, uh, it's mocking Joe Biden. Um, and it's actually performing more effectively in Google searches and the Google Analytics stuff than than his actual campaign <laughs> website. So uh, not not good for Joe Biden. We'll just say that. So uh, with that, we are going to wrap things up. This is or has been, I should say, the Schmidt Show. I have been your host, Brad Schmidt. Thank you for joining me and spending some time with me as we have. Uh, done another episode of the Schmidt Show podcast. Like I said earlier, there's all kinds of ways to get a hold of us. We're on Facebook at the Schmidt Show. We're on Twitter at the Schmidt Show. We are on um, all of the various, where I think we're even on um, Instagram uh, at the Schmidt Show. Um, we have got a Telegram group called the Schmidt Show. We've got a, a free node chat room. It's I think it's titled Schmidt Heads. Um, so, so check all of those out. Uh, come and be a part of it. Share these, these episodes with your friends, please. Um, we're trying to expand our reach. We're trying to expand our, um, our audience and all of that kind of thing. And I will say this, it is, it has been an interesting, I'm a radio guy. I do, uh, I do a radio show three hours a day, as I've mentioned several times on the show on KNOX radio in Grand Forks, North Dakota. It's on 1310 AM and 1079 FM. If you're in the local listening area and want to listen to it. If you are in, uh, if you're not in the local listening area, you can go to our website. It's canoxradio.com and just click on the listen live. It's from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Central Time, uh, Monday through Friday. Um, and 
that is that is where I normally do this, and that is a different medium. It's interesting to me. I found I thought podcasting would be easy. I thought podcasting would be simple and straightforward, and I'm finding it's actually a lot more difficult than I thought. Um, doing an hour long stream of consciousness with no um, interaction, with no phone calls, with no commercial breaks to to break it up, um, it's a lot more difficult than I thought it was, and so uh, it's been an interesting. Um, place to to be. It's been a lot of fun. I'm enjoying doing it. I, I fully intend to continue doing it. Um, but uh, we need your support as we expand our audience, as we expand our listener base. We're on YouTube, I guess, as well, the Schmidt Show uh, YouTube channel. Um, and we need your support. We need your help to, like I say, share these links, share these shows, share the podcast with your friends, with people who are, whether they're like-minded or not, we hope that they'll find something interesting to listen to. We're working on, we've, we had a phone number, um, and we've still got it, one 766 1776 But as we moved into the new studios, some of the phone stuff uh, has changed, so we've got to get the phone stuff back up and running. As soon as we get that, you'll see it. Um, listed back on the, uh, the, uh, the, the page on the, uh, on the schmitshow.com and you'll see it also on the video. Um, I used to have it on a, on a scroller on the bottom of the, with the phone number. Um, so once we get all of that back up and running, we, we'll, we'll bring up the phone calls again. Um, cause we've actually missed that interaction. We missed having the interaction, um, with, with the phone calls. We haven't had a lot of them, but it's, it's, um, um, it's, it's fun. Uh, so we will, we'll continue that. We'll get that back up and running eventually. But anyway, as we wrap things up here on the Schmidt show, the, the one thing I would ask is if you feel so inclined, um, this stuff gets expensive. We pay for the streaming, we pay for the, the podcasting, uh, and getting it linked to, to iTunes and, and Castbox and, and Stitcher and all of those, it, it costs money to, to get all that stuff done. Um, and so if you can, if you can support us at all, um, through Patreon, we would truly, truly, deeply appreciate it. Anything you can do to help, uh, you can join the Schmidthead Brigade. We're working on, I've got some t-shirts and stuff and stickers and things. We're working on rewards for folks that do support us on Patreon. Um, I know it's somewhat of just a token kind of thank you, but it is a genuine, uh, a huge, huge, genuinely a huge help. Uh, to us. So if you can support us on Patreon, we would appreciate it. Um, or if you know anybody that would want to partner with us, that would want to maybe uh, give us some some sponsorship money, we're, we're open to that as too. I'm a huge Walther fan, um, and I know Walther um, uh, sponsors and advertises with... Uh, with Steven Crowder. So uh, maybe if somebody knows anybody that works at Walther, I, I've, I've actually got, it's, uh, it's funny, if you were watching on the video, I would show you, or I'm sorry, if you weren't, whatever, it's long story. I've got a, a my mouse pad is a Walther PPQ Tech Mat because that's my favorite handgun. But anyway, the Schmidt Show is done and we will see you tomorrow, or I'm sorry, next week, or join me this afternoon on the Schmidt Show Terrestrial Radio Show on KNOX Radio. Dot com. Have a great weekend and have a great week.